Today on the show, getting people back to Mass, Cajun style. Five habits of people who pray well, the temple and the life of Jesus, our picks of the week, and so much more. And a guest, the Catholic Underground starts right now. Hi, hi again. It's time for the Catholic Underground. We're the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 392. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, and boy, have we got a round table for you, <laughs> Kathleen Lee, who is the executive director of the Women's New Life Center in Baton Rouge. Good to see you, Kathleen. Good to, good to be back. It's good. It's, we're glad to have you back. What do you say yeah. when you got a round table? <laughs> Goodbye. Next. Next. Okay, it's oblong. Sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. Olivia Galino, who is the Associate Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese of Baton Rouge, also joins us. It's true. I'm here. And also at the table, Jim Hayes, who is the Managing Editor of the Catholic Underground. Yeah. Right, Father, I figured it was about time I show up to work. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's real. He's been uh, commuting virtually for... I don't know how many years has it been now. Uh, since the end of 2014, I emailed Why? you. I think My January 2015. It's hard to believe it really it's is. Been a little while, yeah. Jim. We're glad to have you and uh, the crew uh, in the in the, from the lab here. So uh, so they're watching uh, behind the glass. So let's go upstairs to the Jeff Star One near Earth orbit satellite and to Jeff. Hey Jeff. Yes, I'm here, Father. That's right. Uh, and and Jeff uh, Jeff is the commandant of the Jeff Star One. And he's he's up there. And the, the only uh, only um, satellite in the fleet that has a tip jar. Okay, oh, that's true. That's I very true. That. Okay. That's right. It may also be the only satellite. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah okay. very possible. Right. Anyway, yeah. So so we thought we would start start the show uh, with maybe a little bit of I don't know, kind of a a welcome to Jim to mm-hmm. to the Bayou because we were talking about alligator today, mm-hmm. and we were talking about um, all the things that that makes Louisiana Louisiana. Well, uh, in Houma, Louisiana, which is uh, uh, kind of the extreme southern part of the boot that is our state, um, there is a, a friar, a Franciscan friar, um, who happens to have a piro, as, <laughs> as you do if you live in the extreme southern part mm-hmm. of Louisiana. Yep. And uh, he decided that he was going to do something while he was traveling down the bayou in his piro. Um, so Duloc, which is uh, one of the, uh, the, the, um, the towns in in, in the Homa area. Mm-hmm. It's also the to... kingdom in Shrek. I just need to point that out. It is also what? the kingdom. Yeah, yes. that's right. Yeah, uh, that's true. I never, yeah. I see copyright infringement. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, Friar Antonio, uh, and his whole name, Kathleen, you'll love, Friar Antonio Maria Speedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Uh, he put on a life jacket, he hopped into his Piro, and he cruised across the bayou under a sign that says, Duloc, come back to mass. Yep. And if you're watching us on the video, then I, I think we have a, a video of him or a, a picture of him saying that. And so he had the mass times on there, um, the, the different mass times for his, his weekday mass and then his two weekend masses. And up and down the Piro he went and he rang a bell as he passed by the fishing boats. The 42-year-old friar said that his plan to boost church attendance is slowly but surely paying off. And the Homa Courier, of course, this is news down in Homa. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so they, uh, they interviewed him. He says, uh, we've been looking at different ways to evangelize this diocese. Um, and he's a native of Australia. Mm-hmm. I didn't know yeah. That. Mm-hmm. 
I had got, never, he's got a great story. Uh, I yeah. can only imagine. So he's a Franciscan friar mm-hmm. living in extreme poverty in mm-hmm. southern Louisiana. Mm-hmm. You don't just kind of happen into that right. yeah. that job, right? He, you had like he used to be an artist. What? And then he Did injured, he injured his hand. No. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he has a fantastic story. Yeah. Well, the Lord almost literally mm-hmm. writes straight with crooked lines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, my goodness. Uh, anyway, so so uh, he, he there, there has been a Eucharistic procession up Bayou Lafouche, which is another in another part of the state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And so he was thinking about all of this, and he just took his boat out, you know, and, and tried to get people to come back to Mass. He says we talk about the importance of bayous uh, to the Catholic faith down mm-hmm. here. And it's a unique situation. He says, everything down there was founded on the bayous. So I've been looking to try to evangelize using the mm-hmm. bayous. And that, I think, is really when the missionary spirit breaks open. Because, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the, uh, the interstate situation is like in California, but can you imagine somebody like with a, a billboard truck saying, you know, uh, greater San Francisco, come back to mass. That would be highly unusual. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it'd be real functional either. Oh, probably not. <laughs> no. You'd just be stuck in one place for exactly. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. those who are on uh, our version of, of that, the I-10, yep. uh, would be the same thing. Yep. Yeah. We feel your pain. That's right, yeah. There was a, a, a light aircraft that, uh, oh, yeah. that crash-landed safely, um, kind of bounced off of an 18-wheeler and then landed on the interstate. And that's just that's just, just one week in, in Baton Rouge. Like, I know? saw that headline and I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I guess this is who we are now. That, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One Facebook commenter said, you know, I really love this. I enjoy his mass when I come to Dulac to visit family. I love this idea. Another person on, uh, on Facebook said, I love it. He might be what this bayou needs to bring the people back. I didn't realize that he was ordained recently, mm-hmm. that yeah. he's, a, he's a, a newbie priest. Huh? Um, the oil, as we say, is still wet on his hands. He was ordained in 2014, and he's a member of the Poor Friars. And there's a, there's a longer name, um, to, to, so the Little, the little uh, Brothers and Sisters, mm-hmm. uh, I think. And, mm-hmm. and they're um, kind of a new, a new movement within the mm-hmm. church. And this, yeah. see, the beautiful thing about the new movements within the church is they are filled with a great deal of missionary zeal. Yeah. And in so many cases, uh, they're, they're thinking about new things. We would call them new paradigms, right? Mm-hmm. They're thinking about things in new ways. Mm-hmm. And kind of like uh, when the Lord says in, in the first reading, behold, I am doing something new. Yeah. The new thing that he's doing is actually very ancient. Mm-hmm. Right. He's just simply calling people back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what a great, great gift that is. Um, I think so. it's very exciting when I see new priests come up with exciting new ways to try to evangelize. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You, you get so many of the older priests kind of stuck in the ways and stuck in a groove. It's yeah. nice mm-hmm. when they really blow open a door and try something right. different. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. And I always, I always hope, and luckily I have people like Olivia and Kathleen in my life, um, but I always hope that whenever I become an old and crusty priest, they'll hit me with whatever walking implement they're using at the time and say, you let that young priest teach you, you know, um, because that, that's exactly right. That's what kind of repumps in the vitality of the church, you know. Yeah. Well, who was it was and I was talking about this the other day, but it's so cool that he's where he is. Yeah. He has learned the culture of his people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and who was it? I think it was either Pope Francis or Pope Benedict who said the shepherd needs to have the smell of the sheep. Yeah, Francis. Yeah. It's Pope yeah. Francis. I knew it was Pope Francis. That was him. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, like, what a there is no other smell like the bayou. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what a what a great thing that he's not just saying, well, this works in. You know, in other places where I've been, I, right. I, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure he studied in in Rome for a while. Yeah, he speaks Italian. He's phenomenal. But like, you know, this is what they're doing all over the world. No, he's saying, "What is it that my people yeah. need?" 
And we who live here don't yeah. always do that. Right. You know, that's, yeah. that's the thing. It is a challenge. Well, and I, I think too about like, like Vatican II, one of the things that came out of Vatican II was this need to like translate the gospel into the language of the people and mm. like either literally or figuratively. And I think this is a figurative way to do that. Like culturally down in Louisiana, things are very different, right. yeah. you know, and it, and it changes five miles down the road. So every particular place is very different. So I love what he's doing is he's basically taking the gospel and putting it into the language of the environment. Like he's right. just using the environment. Like this is how people get around. This is how people, you know, travel or, or not travel, but like mm-hmm. you know, find yeah. their way it around. It is a thoroughfare for many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm going to use this to my advantage and I'm going to be very direct mm-hmm. because yeah. we're not we're not messing around here. Like the, there's a message. I'm not going to be right. subtle about it. So I love that he's right. using the language there, yeah. but it's not it's not just a matter of like knowing English or knowing Spanish or knowing another language it's it's a matter of like understanding how the people think and work right. that's right um, Pope John Paul Pope St. John Paul II had a great understanding that culture drives history mm-hmm. right because at the very center of culture is cultus cult worship religion and however that is driven the rest of society follows mm-hmm. and so understanding culture means you know, knowing that the that the future is going to be written by what we do and who we worship today. Yeah. And this is one of those ways of being very direct. Like, this is who we are, this is what we believe, and this is part of our heritage, it's part of our past, mm-hmm. so we shouldn't throw it into the bayou. We should right. carry it with us, right. you know? Right. Taylor, who is uh, ever in the chat room, <laughs> and she also happens to be from that part of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. She went to, to Nichols State University and um, uh, and she uh, she's also like I say from that area. She said that uh, if y'all can ever get to meet y'all, if y'all could ever get to meet Friar Antonio, you'd instantly be filled with love and joy. Uh, mm-hmm. He'd come visit us biweekly or weekly at Nichols. He he cal- calls me Tyler, right? Because that's how <laughs> you probably yeah, say yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, and he instantly makes me smile. If I've heard his story, don't know why I'm switching there. <laughs> when you can hear it, it's amazing, beautiful soul all around. Yeah. Um, he says one of his class, one of her classmates actually joined the order and she says she's always filled with joy. Mm, yeah. And that's a beautiful thing too, um, that, uh, you can always tell a, a new movement that is bearing fruit because joy is a fruit of the spirit. Right. Yeah. And it's so interesting with them because they, they hitchhike everywhere they go. They do. Yeah. yeah it's so cool. And they literally have nothing. They have, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they're they, a mendicant order, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but they, how many times out, and I've you know been involved in youth events where they've been there, and I, I know their order. Um, great, great people. How many times have I looked at them and gone, man? Like, yeah, I have all this stuff. I'm like the rich man, right? You're like the yeah. rich guy who can't leave all this stuff. I'm like, I have all this stuff, and yet you are way more happier than I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and and that's that's one of the things too that that the um, that little Saint Francis, huh? Saint mm-hmm. Francis of Assisi knew all too well that that he founded uh, the the order of friars minor right. because he wanted to be a leaven in the world he wanted to show the world that by living simply and by living distinctly for the lord and him alone then what would happen is the world would look in like like the second vatican council says mm-hmm. right the world would look into the window of the church <laughs> i just spilled coffee all over kathleen <laughs> yes. um we'll look into the window of the church it's going to be that kind of show mm-hmm. And, and then respond, <laughs> respond in charity. And re- did, did I really get you? No, yeah, you got my book. That's awesome. I, uh, saying, I got her pick of the week. Not the wor- Look, I worked at a daycare. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but it yeah. spilled yeah. on me. Yeah. 
Anyway, so so if you want to find out a little bit more about uh, Friar Antonio, we'll make sure that we put a, a link uh, in the show notes. And then also you might be interested in living that kind of a life. Yeah. And so uh, the Little Friars and Little Nuns of Jesus and Mary is, uh, is, is the name of the order. They were founded in Italy. Um, and uh, they are approved. They were approved in 2014, ad experimentum, which means um, it's a new movement. We're going to try it out and see yeah. what the Lord is calling. And then they founded a small community in Homa of all places. Yeah, well, help and us so, on the way by that. Oh, way, look, oh, thank, thank you. you, Ben. That was that was Jim's son Ben, who is acting as a best boy grip. Yes, nice. indeed. Well done. I'm gonna have to make the credits longer now. <laughs> oh, did I use all the napkins? It's live it's TV, fine. folks. Oh we're having a it's great fine. time. Okay, there we if go. If I'm not mistaken, um, Friar Antonio was the first um, f- of their order that became a priest. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And it looks like they have a few more in their order now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Father Nathaniel, Father Juan, and then uh, one, two, three, four, five, six nuns. Yeah. yeah and and they're interesting because they're not uh, an order of monks that are away, right. but they're an order of friars who are active in in the community and that's yeah. really cool yeah i went to graduate school with one of the sisters sister effita she's from germany but then she studied in italy and now she lives in homa yeah. um but yeah she's just the sweetest thing how she interesting always they, so sweet to talk like, to i always think what how did you get to homa i know you yeah know? well I, I remember um the first Holy time Spirit's i met weird her that way because mm-hmm. her name is sister effita and i was like well that's a cool name and then you talk to her and she's german and i'm like i'm so confused mm-hmm. and then she like says some things in italian and i'm like i don't i don't know what's going on and you're in homa <laughs> you said like i the first time i met her i think i was just like oh like it has so yeah. no way no context for understanding yeah. what she was talking about but yeah i think it's such a cool order and she would she would come to school um you know she we went to school at at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans so mm-hmm. she would find rides to school like they don't they didn't have a car so she yeah. would just find rides every time she had to go to class that's a lot yeah that's going to give you a, a ride an hour into yeah into the town yeah. so she and I don't a lot know of how charity, she right yeah, 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 yeah. but what's so great is they have people that like that do that right mm-hmm. yeah you know people are like where are you going I'm not even going that way come on yeah yep. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, exactly. it's true uh, Friar Antonio uh, and the other friar share a modest one-story house and home along the bayou surrounded by a wooden fence there's a statue of St. Francis in front as you'd imagine, right? Mm-hmm. There's a tiny opening in the fence that kind of looks like a hobbit shire dwelling and leads to a lawn with a small chapel. The, the backyard has beehives, so they, they harvest fresh honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he says, since we made a vow of poverty, we have friends who let us rent the place for a dollar a year. They help us out a lot. Um, there's another miniature door visible in the friar's kitchen, and the sign posted over it reads, Strive to enter through the narrow door. Mm-hmm. He says a lot of things that we do are symbolic. And I've noticed the, the little brothers and little sisters of the Lamb, uh, which are an order that uh, they have a house in Kansas, they're, mm-hmm. in, they're in France, they do the same thing. Uh, you might have heard me talk about it on the show. They have these little doors and things to pass through specifically. Uh, they call it Le Petit Monastère, the little monastery. And they physically build things smaller so that they, in their order, wow. are reminded that they are to make themselves small. Mm-hmm. And that's what then opens them up to, to be able to minister in a world that is sometimes overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And that's the way they keep from being overwhelmed by realizing, mm-hmm. well, I just, I'm, I'm called to be the small, the small one. Yeah. Uh, kind of like St. Therese of Lisieux, to, to be the small one. Yeah. I'm just knocking things down here. <laughs> You're probably, right over there? Yeah, I'm You're a, like a I'm bull okay. in a tiny, in a, in a china shop. That's right. That's right. I am. But you know one thing uh, that we are all collectively, Jeff, and that is the Catholic Underground. Yeah, somehow you are listening to the Catholic Underground. <laughs> it's raining outside. 
And uh, let's see, I've got uh, a napkin here because I've spilled coffee all over Kathleen. <laughs> We're online at Catholic That's Underground right. TV, and you are in for a show if you tune in uh, on Facebook. I'm Father Chris, joined by Kathleen, by Olivia, by Jim, Yay. by Jeff, yeah. and all those other folks. That are, Kevin. That, are, that are around the old campfire. <laughs> Kevin is not here. <laughs> you know, one of the things I forgot to say um, is, that, is that Ed is on assignment. Mm-hmm. Ed is actually in, in Vegas, baby. Because yes. um, I think Just you like have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but he is at the National Association of Broadcasters Convention. So he's, he's, um, he's actually doing, doing his work, mm-hmm. doing, doing the job. Um, and we're hoping that he brings back a goodie bag. So Ed, wherever you are, yes, I will take any any uh, any things that they toss from their table. I'll take. Yes. Yeah. Or just money, big go money. to the casinos. Any cash that you happen to find. Yeah. Laying take around. that too. You know, you know he, he showed us um, a picture. He was going to the cathedral there in Las Vegas, which is a interestingly styled building. But I, I I've heard it, heard tell that they accept. Uh, Casino chips as in, in the offertory. Oh, really? It's real money. Yeah, there you go. I guess. Kathleen, yep. uh, one of the things that, that you can do whenever you're out of town is go to mass. That's yes. actually a good mm-hmm. habit. Uh, certainly, giving to the offertory is a right. is a good habit, right? And um, giving, yeah. Indeed, and, and so we thought we'd share with you, especially as we wind down this Lent and move right. our way into Palm Sunday, uh, five ways, five habits of people who. Have a good prayer life. Yes, and so if you if you're listening to this live, you are listening to it at the towards the end of Lent. But this is this is you know uh, this is evergreen. Mm-hmm. You can you you should always be asking yourself, how is my prayer life, right? And so most times we ask, um, how do like if you have no idea how to pray, how do I even do that? Or like when should I pray? There are times throughout our day as Catholics that we are called to enter into prayer before a meal. There's mm-hmm. the Angelus, right? Um, you know morning prayer and evening prayer. Um, what can I do to improve my prayer life? Maybe you're kind of stagnant in where you are and it's kind of become words that you say, mm-hmm. right? Especially because we have such beautiful formal prayers that we all memorize. But I find myself a lot of times asking like, what does that even mean to me? What does the Hail Mary mean to me right now in my life? Well, which, is, which is a prayer. Right. <laughs> Keep going. Sorry. Sorry. I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to interrupt your flow. Get back to your coffee. So. Uh, that's right. I probably should just finish it. Keep going. <laughs> well, Becky Roach at Catholic Link, she actually asked some of the most prayerful people that she knew um, questions about their prayer life. And mm-hmm. so she came up with five habits that most of these people actually had in common. Oh, so if cool. you're looking for a way to kind of solidify or to improve your prayer life. Or start maybe. Right. Or maybe even start. Maybe you're like, I don't even talk to God except for when I'm in a dire situation. Mm-hmm. which is where I found myself a lot of times like the only time I ever talk to God is when like we're down to the wire mm-hmm. yeah. all right Lord <laughs> time to step it up yeah, yeah. right help <laughs> yeah she says number one um, to these people that she talked to it's a daily priority right it certainly requires this daily consistency right if you're gonna take medication it only works if you take it at you know consistently mm-hmm. if you're going to be in conversation with a friend or you want to build a friendship it only works if you talk to them on a consistent basis I'm telling young people all the time like do you talk to your best friend once every you know at Christmas and Easter mm-hmm. yeah there wouldn't be a really you there's no relationship there mm-hmm. right so it has to be consistent and people who have a good prayer life typically pray at the same time every day, right? Um, and keep to it as they would any other important um, appointment or meeting. 
mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people put it uh, in their calendar, set an alarm. There's no shame in that. For a while, I was like, look, if it pops up on my phone, time to pray, like, I, w- I thought, I'll feel lame. Yeah. But it's such a reminder. I have a 12 o'clock um, alarm on my phone that pops up and says, God is within you, you will not fail. Mm. I, I found like, that the consistency is a key. It's yeah. like exercise. And once you get going right. and you're consistent with it, it's just easier, so much easier to keep it up and it right. becomes such a nice part of your day and yeah. a part of your life. But if there's a break for whatever reason and you stop, right. it's so much harder to get going and get it consistent again, exactly. get back to what it was. Yeah, exactly. So number one, make it a daily priority. Make that, that you know when you wake up in the morning before you do anything else, spend some time in prayer. Before you go to bed, spend some time in prayer. Uh, number two, uh, they get help, support, and advice, right? We're not in this alone. A lot of times we feel like our prayer life is very personal, which it is, right? But, um, but if you don't know how to, um, I was asking Olivia how to bake bread earlier. If I don't know how to bake bread, I'm not gonna sit in my room and go, man, I wish I knew how to bake <laughs> bread. No, I'm gonna ask somebody who's good at it, mm-hmm. right? Or who has some kind of insight. How do you pray? What, you know, what gives you um, peace and joy? What, what methods do you have, right? Um, they have accountability partners, people who are saying, hey, did, did you pray today? Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people in my life, and I'm sure you guys do as well. That My parishioners. Yeah. They well, remind like, me. Yeah. Father, uh, you either need a vacation, yeah. a day off, or something. Yes. You need a nap, right? Mm-hmm. They ask me, like, have you prayed today? How is your prayer life? And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, so important. It's somewhat annoying to me, but I'm always like, oh, because I need me. it. But it yeah. usually comes at a time when you're right. like, Mm, I don't need to hear this, but I need to hear this. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, right? Mentors, spiritual directors. um, You know, one of my friends asked me a long time ago, I was in ministry, and Matt Brindrett asked me, he said, how do you do what you do without a spiritual director? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) So I got one, and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Right, they also use books, apps, any other resource. My, You know, I just moved into an apartment, um, and the amount of prayer books that I had is ridiculous. And then I realized I'm sitting there amongst my prayer books going, I don't use a one of these. And I'm like, why not? Yeah. You have all these resources. But to keep yourself learning and growing. So even if you are like, my prayer life is phenomenal, right? Maybe in a time like Lent, the Lord is asking you to a little bit deeper mm-hmm. or something a little bit different, right? Uh, number two, I mean, number three. They read the Bible too. Mm-hmm. That's right, Catholics. We need to read the scripture, right? Reading the word of God is an important aspect of daily prayer. That's why, you know, I love, I don't go to daily mass every day, but I do take some time to read the, the at least the gospel of the day, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes, sometimes you're like this, I don't, we're talking about sheeps and goats and I, I got nothing. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. But other times it's like the Lord just hits you with a two by four. It's mm-hmm. so yeah. easy now because right. even like Bishop Barron sends the, the daily scripture reading. Right, yeah. It's easy to yeah. pick up. And it's also what I found is important is the, the version of the Bible that I'm reading. Right. sometimes I want to really get into it and, yeah. and learn more and I'll pick up a, like the Ignatius study Bible. Right. Other times I just want to get into the uh, the narrative of the story sure. and get sucked in that way and I'll, I'll read yeah. something like the New Jerusalem and just mm-hmm. enjoy the story and the and the mm-hmm. just the feelings you get from reading about it. And that's really the beauty of, of praying with scripture. There are so many different ways that you can do that, right? That that you can sometimes allow yourself to be immersed in, in kind of the the, the virtual reality, right? In the moment right. of, of, of what's happening in, in the scripture. And then sometimes you do, you want to kind of pour over something a little bit and, and uh, unpack it, right? right. And, and there are so many different versions of, uh, of the scriptures that have been uh, exegeted by 
Catholics much smarter than myself mm -hmm. that really kind of give you those jumping off points mm -hmm. that then lead you into deeper prayer as well. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. I use the um, the the oh gosh uh, the Ignatius Study Bible oh, as yeah, well uh, for a little homily helps to kind mm -hmm. of charge uh, to jumpstart a few things in mm -hmm. prayer. It's very very. That's helpful. one of the things though I think we've kind of forgotten is such a great story. Right. Yeah, and it's just an it's an amazing adventure from beginning to end from That's Abraham right. all the way through through to Revelation. Mm -hmm. That's right, and we have our part to play in it as well, right? It's not just a story that happened so long ago, but we're part of the adventure. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, so like, you know. I, I, when I talk to young people again, um, and I said, look, why do we call it the living word of God? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the Lord is speaking to us through that scripture. Yeah. Whether it be about sheep and goats or whatever, you know, it may be set 2,000 years ago, but it's relevant to our life now. And the same story that we heard and read in Vacation Bible School when we were you know, five is very different than when you're graduating high school or when you're starting a family or when you're working you know, or when you start a job and you're in the, the workplace, you know, so um, when we read scripture, we make that a part of our regular daily life, right? We become better at recognizing the voice of God, not only in scripture, right? Not only when we go to mass and we're hearing the scripture, um, but in our everyday, you know, everyday life. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. So number four, uh, they keep praying even when it's difficult. This is tough. Yes. So none of the people that she asked, right, describe themselves as being good at prayer, right? I don't think you can ever be done learning about prayer or growing in prayer, right? A common characteristic that she found seemed to be that they always uh, felt there was more they could be doing to improve their prayer life, right? And many of the people that she talked to reported times of spiritual dryness are not hearing from God, mm -hmm. right? And there's so many times where we're like, you know, my visual and my prayer is Lord, I feel like I'm beating my head up against a yeah. brick wall, yeah. mm -hmm. right? And the Lord has told me many, many times, Kathleen, I didn't make that brick wall. Mm. Boo boo, you did. And I'm like, <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I'll work on breaking it down, right? Yeah. Uh, but the but you know, and I I think I've shared this before. One of the things that Father Chris first told me when we first met when I was a sophomore in high school, we were at a, a retreat, and I was like, I don't believe in God. <laughs> and he said, look, you just have to keep going. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. this was the best advice I've ever gotten, right? When it feels like, like you can't go anymore, when you feel like the Lord's not listening, right? Never give up mm -hmm. coming to God in prayer, right? Um, so these people that, that she interviewed, they kept praying even when it was difficult, even when life got busy, which is difficult to do, mm -hmm. right? Even when they didn't feel like it. A lot of times we're like, I don't want to talk to you, Lord, not today, <laughs> Yeah. Right. And people who are good at prayer have faith and trust that even when they can't hear God, mm -hmm. even when we can't hear and feel God, God hears us mm -hmm. and all right. that we do. Right. And number five, which I think is most important, they practice gratitude. Uh, caritas, actually yes. reaching out. Yes. Yeah. I tell people this all the time. Look, Thanksgiving is not just a day that we eat turkey and cranberry sauce and watch football mm -hmm. right with mm -hmm. our family thanksgiving is an act of prayer that we often forget mm -hmm. because a lot of times we are we are asking lord this is what i need this is what i want this is what i desire right and we forget about that part this is but lord thank you for what i have mm -hmm. yeah thank you for what you've given me right thank you for what you've done in our lives yep yeah that's true, and and that's the the beautiful thing is that prayer is not just one thing that we do. It isn't right. just a set bit of of external things that we do, right. and it's not just one rote thing that we say. But prayer incorporates a great, great panoply right. of what it means to lift our mind and our heart to God. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break, but uh, but don't go anywhere because the Catholic Underground is coming back through the midst of the storm. So stick with us. <laughs> 
Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Welcome back. You have found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker, your hopefully humble but unworthy host. Uh, Kathleen Lee. Yeah, I am. Who is our prayer ninja. Coffee. Coffee stained. Coffee stained <laughs> prayer ninja. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Olivia Galino's over there as well. Also, Jim Hayes. He's the leader of the crew in the lab. He's our managing editor. Our picks of the week are coming up first. But, you know, I, I think what we should do is, is mention what Jim is doing mm-hmm. here. Besides the fact that that he got in a plane with his family and flew mm-hmm. from California. In 2014, uh, Jim sent us an email right out of the blue saying, I want to get involved. Well, that was right after the end of the year. You had like you had an end of the year wrap up. Yeah. And Father uh-huh. Ryan said, I've got to cut back. Yeah. And you said, well, I don't know how we're going to do it. And I'm not sure how the show is going to continue. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a listener. And exactly. I, yeah, I like the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, and so Jim says, "What can I do?" And I said, "Well, we really we need a managing editor, and we we need somebody to help prepare the show every week, uh, and to give us the talking points so that we don't have to do all the front end work, so that we can kind of muse on on the the, the, the greater points to ponder in the show." And uh, and so Jim said, "Okay," mm-hmm. and tell me what to do. Put me to work. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's what Jim says to me every week. He says, "Put me to work." And um, and it's gotten to the point where you actually I don't know how he does it I'm guessing the Holy either. Spirit works but but he knows our personalities well enough to know about the things that we probably want to talk about yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there are days when I'm like ooh what do I get to talk about and I'm like yes I love like even earlier I was like yes I love this uh huh <laughs> so I don't know how but he's inside all of our minds yeah that's okay mm-hmm. I mean the Matrix is bound to happen sooner or later so <laughs> we're just glad it's benevolent <laughs> that's right exactly yes. Yes, and so and so Jim is here with his family. They're kind of doing a, a Louisiana tour, um, well, a South Extreme South Louisiana mm-hmm. tour. And so we're happy to have you in the studio, and happy to have your family who are uh, up in the Jeff Star One uh, watching everything happen. Yes. In fact, you saw Ben; he he took the space elevator <laughs> and yes. brought napkins. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Ben. Ben, do you want to go run into the shot and uh, and and say hello with Jeff? He might get he might get a little uh, shy all of a sudden. So if you're listening to us on the radio. Um, uh, All of the hazes are precious. Yeah, they are. The whole Hayes family is is a is a wonderful. They made, we made pizza earlier. Yes, uh, hey, yes. there's oh. Ben. If you're listening to us, Ben is a so Ben is a sweet. is a youngin, and he's excited to be he's excited <laughs> so to be on the Jeff Star One. He's never been on a satellite before. No, well there you go. Exactly. Put yeah. in his baby's book. His baby book. That's yeah. right. Baby's first satellite. <laughs> baby's first satellite. <laughs> And Welcome so to 2019. We, we go from uh, from Jim to actually um, uh, a segment that you helped to prepare, yeah. right? Um, and it's really talking about the temple. And uh, I remember in reading Mother Angelica's uh, biography, how whenever the Lord asked her to build a temple, she said, I didn't know what a temple was. Because mm-hmm. um, the only time she had heard about it was in the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until she was in Rome uh, scouting out another project that she saw uh, on the outside of St. Peter's uh, this temple is dedicated to dot dot dot, and she realized that the the temple of Jerusalem, the phrase, the word carries over even into today. And mm-hmm. so, the temple in Jesus' time 
is still important to us today. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think sometimes when we're we're trying to, we spend a lot of time reading about Jesus in the scriptures or reading books about his life or, or you know different things like that. And we're, I think, on this quest to constantly try to understand um, revelation. If, if Jesus Christ is the fullness of revelation, then we spend our time as theologians, as you know, people who love God and, and uh, want to be in relationship with Him, trying to understand what things mean, right, and and what what it means for us. Um, but I think sometimes we when we read. Uh, particular stories in the New Testament about Jesus were like, I don't understand what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why he's saying this. Yeah, there's and no it, context for us. Yeah, there's not yeah. context. And and if we, you know, were were Jews, we would understand. But we have to kind of put ourselves in that context, which is why I think the work of Dr. Brant Petrie is so important and others like him who spend a lot of time mm-hmm. situating the context for us and saying like this is why, you know, that these are the reasons. My parishioners um, wake up whenever we begin to unpack the specifically yeah. Jewish uh, things that yeah. Jesus was doing and the reasons why. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's almost as if they're going to the Holy Land liturgically right. because they're beginning to understand something of, of the, this history, but also the liturgical tradition there. Right, right, right. And that's the that's the thing. It's like everything's interconnected mm-hmm. um, because the scriptures are the manifestation of the word of God. And the word of God, as you remember, is a person. Mm-hmm. So everything is interconnected. It's like the tendons all having to, to do with attaching the muscles to the to the bones like everything is has to do with one another um and if we approach scripture with that context or that that idea in mind then it really is alive like kathleen was saying like it, it we we can recognize it as being alive um but we also know that you know when when we're thinking about jesus's early life that we don't have a lot that comes from scripture um you know we obviously know about the nativity um, we know that at eight days old that um, Jesus was presented um, in the temple and he was circumcised as all Jewish males were and are. Um, and then 32 days later, like he was day number 40 of his existence on earth or uh, outside the womb, he um, was presented in the temple to Simeon and Anna um, and uh, in the presentation. And then skip ahead, you know, 12 years and we get him in the temple again mm-hmm. um, when he is the, he was missing. Uh, Mary and Joseph come back, they find him, um, and he says, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? Imagine if our kids spent time at the temple. Right. You know, of course, I can't speak for the Hayes family, and of course, I'm celibate, but imagine if, <laughs> if we allowed our, if, if our children were at the temple, you yeah. know, a lot. Right. Well, how many times do we say, hey, children are, you know, too loud in church? Oh, gosh. oh that's true, yeah. yeah. To which They're I say, if the church ain't crying, then the church is dying. Yeah. So exactly. bring them on in. Shoot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> My lord. Um, my lord. <laughs> we make our share of noise. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Good, good yeah. Good. The Lord loves that. He invites yeah. that. Um, and, I mean, think about it, like, Jesus himself was making these noises in the church, in the temple That's himself right. as mm-hmm. a child. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't go to the temple to be silent. Right. No. Um, and That's then, for sure. That was for sure. <laughs> um, and then again, you fast forward from 12, we get all those right. hidden years, but then when we see him again. He pops back up again and he's at the temple. Ad so templum. The mm. temple's kind of important. Um, but no, I mean, from the, from the very beginning to the very end of Jesus's life on earth, um, it, everything it kind of goes back to the temple. 
temple because you'll even remember that um, with Jesus's final words on the cross, consumatum est, it is finished, mm -hmm. that the veil in the temple was torn. Mm -hmm. And it's the veil that separates the Holy of Holies from the inner court. There were three you know, sections to the temple in Jerusalem. And there was a veil that divided the Holy of Holies where only the high priest went and only on you know high holidays um, from the rest of the temple. And that that veil was torn when Jesus, um, you know, commended his spirit unto God and died on the cross. And um, and that's the temple. Some, the t because the temple was, his was him. Is yeah. him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll get there. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, right. I don't get ahead from of all yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah. From sorry, all of this, sorry. we can surmise. It's okay. It makes me excited too. We can all, we can surmise from all of this that the temple is essential, right? Um, and that we, if we want to understand Jesus, if we want to understand ourselves, that we have to understand what it is to be a temple, what it, what the mm -hmm. temple even is. Um, but first, we get to go back to Genesis, which is my favorite thing to do, um, and realize that Eden, the Garden of Eden, is a temple. Oh, yeah. Right, because mm -hmm. Adam um, and I wish this was the book I was talking about earlier. There's a book I think it's by G.K. Beale, something Beale, um, but he writes about that basically the temple, um, and and just unpacks all of it. It's a really big volume on just the temple, but he has certain sections on just Genesis and mm -hmm. like Adam, um, and he talks about Adam's priestly function. Adam was given the Ooh. garden to guard and to keep. Um, so I'm putting to, it in my list of things to buy. It's so good. The temple and the church's mission. Yes, that's it. A biblical theology of the dwelling place of God. Keep going. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, did I get his name right? G.K. Beale? You got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Ding, ding. Um, for all of you, all of you, write it down and read it. Um, but he talks about, you know, Adam's priestly function and that to guard and to keep the garden is to, to, to like, to garden, to till, to, to cultivate the land is an exercise of his priestly function. Right. And that the fact that Adam walks in the garden with God, we hear that in Genesis, um, is like, a sign to us that he is exercising a priestly function. Yeah, he's keeping the temple. Yes. And he's offering worship within the temple by the co-working with God. Right. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that's happening, um, it, even when Eve comes around, um, even when Eve is created and, and creation is complete, that that's still happening because they are, they're given what's called, what we call in the church, um, preternatural uh, graces. So yeah. the state of original justice before the fall, before sin, um, we, we, um, and this, this is what Genesis kind of signals to is that there's these preternatural graces that, um, kind of made Adam and Eve supernatural. They were still natural beings. They're still created. They still had flesh, souls, thoughts of their own, all that. Um, they still lived in a physical world, but that things were just heightened naturally. And what I mean by that is there were, there are three like traditionally they were properly um, ordered. Yeah. There are three like kind of graces that we're talking about. One of them's integrity. So like the body and the soul working together in perfect harmony. Uh, one of them's immortality that they wouldn't die. Mm -hmm. Um, and then one of them's infused knowledge. So they, they didn't really need to struggle to learn. They had a lot of infused knowledge. They were yeah. still, you know, they still had to, to learn. They weren't, you know, completely divorced from, from the state of becoming, but they had to, they, they already had this like bank of infused knowledge. And then with sin, what comes around, um, when sin comes around, it like, they lose those graces, which is why now they die. Now body and soul struggle um, mm -hmm. with one another to and stay in harmony. And the intellect is darkened. And the intellect is darkened, and um, and that's sin. That's an effect of sin. But in this original state, 
Um, that's what allowed God, who is beyond dimension, who is beyond time, who is beyond nature, to interact with them because they were given these graces. Um, and that allowed that really intimate relationship. To walk with God in the garden is a really right. intimate thing. Mm-hmm. To and, and at one point, I forget in what chapter in Genesis, they, they, they could hear the Lord coming, like they heard his footsteps coming. That's a very intimate thing. And we talk about that metaphorically in prayer. Like, mm-hmm. like I've heard, I think I mentioned it before, that um, a definition of discernment is just to be able to sniff out God. Mm-hmm. And you can only sniff out the people that you know what they smell like. You That's know right. the way that they're, yeah. you know what their sounds, uh, their 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 footsteps sound like you know what their voice sounds like you know you can anticipate them before they even say anything or before they appear in the room right and that's the kind of relationship that adam Mm -hmm. and eve had with god by the way is a fruit of prayer which is a fruit of of prayer continually showing up in prayer as we begin to Mm -hmm. learn how we get we begin to hear his footfalls before before anything happens in the relationship right Right. So that's the earth as temple. Yeah, Yeah. that's the earth Mm -hmm. as temple. And it has like you can see it has a lot to do with who we are as as people, because uh, being created in the image and likeness of God is being created for this kind of intimacy, Mm -hmm. being created for this kind of intimacy that God had with Adam and Eve um, that was threatened because of sin, but that he still desires to have with us. Um, So then, you know, as we move through like history, we see that sin enters the world and this kind of creation temple garden of Eden collapsed and now we have a, a fallen world. Um, and what does that mean? It means that Adam and Eve were removed removed from communion with God because they they there had to be distance, right? If God is all holy, then it's a it's a threat to to Adam and Eve's existence to be near him. That's why like being expelled from the Garden of Eden is actually a mercy yeah. of God, and that's why God guards the garden um, at the. Sorry, I can't that's remember what, my chapters, yeah. but He guards the garden with um, cherubim, with with spinning swords, a fire, a fire, and it's not because He hates them and He doesn't want them to to enter back into the garden. He guards it because if they come back in, and they, you know. Um, they, if they die, basically, mm-hmm. at that point, they're dead forever. Yeah. The human race is history. Yeah. So he, he expels them in order to protect them because he knows Christ is always in his mind. He knows what's coming, and he knows that reconciliation and communion is still possible, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. But he's patient, and he's going to wait. But he, he, he sets that up as an as a, a example of his mercy and manifestation of his mercy. Um, and so when there's distance between God and man, it doesn't mean that God is never involved in their life. Right, um, because that's that's not the the God who would create us for communion. So it's not like it means he becomes, quite the opposite, actually. Yeah, he's not it like means he gets more involved. Oh yeah, and that's what <laughs> salvation history is: is God just saying like, all right, let's try this again. Um, and that's why I love explaining covenants to kids because it's like it's really easy for them to understand. Like, okay, how many times did you make a promise to your parents and then break it, and then make another promise to your parents and then break it, mm-hmm. and they still come back and want to make promises with you, and they they want your trust and you want to trust them like that's that's what god does with us that's right yeah. it's relentless and mm-hmm. it seems insane to read about it and like well no one would ever do that but we do that we do it we do I, it yes. all the time yeah that's why um, the confessional is always open yes the light is always on the light is on for that for reason you. yeah um but yeah so so god withdraws into this like hidden kind of uh super dimensional aspect of of of, of the universe of creation he's not part of creation but he's this he's the creator so he's always part of it um and he tells us do i not fill heaven and earth and that should be a signal to us that he's still here yeah and how is he still here so from the fall onward god even though he's hidden he shows up and it's important to recognize how he shows up 
Um, so when he passes through the veil of creation through in the burning bush, the bush that is not consumed. We talked mm. about that a few weeks ago because mm-hmm. it was in the mass readings. Um, the pillar of fire. He likes fire. Um, he, he shows up as the three angels who come to talk to Abraham and, and tell him about um, I, um, yeah, Isaac. Yeah, Isaac. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually he establishes this visible dwelling among his people. All of that is like a preparation, right? He gives like a little taste to Moses. Um, he gives a little taste uh, a little to, taste to, to Abraham. Abraham. A little taste a little, yeah, to Moses. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like he's he's slowly showing himself. He's slowly showing himself, and then he comes and establishes a visible dwelling amongst his people, and that's the tabernacle. That's the the tent, um, and then later the the temple of Solomon is like you know this is this is it. This is firmly in the ground. The, yeah. the tabernacle moved. It was a tent, yeah. uh, the tent of dwelling. So that like moved around as they were moving through the desert. And then they get to Jerusalem, which is the promised land. They establish a temple, right? Um, but as God's dwelling place on earth, the temple is a reminder to God's people that even though he, we can't see him. He's always with us. And in fact, it's not that we've created this place for him and said, you know, this is, this is a nice little room we got you here. Come, you know, you like come. velvet couch. You know, like it's not like we've enticed him to come and <laughs> no. stay with us. He's pleading for it. He yeah. approaches us, right? That's right? Abraham doesn't go wandering one day and like, I wonder if, what if God wants to talk to me? No, like God comes after him. God comes after Moses. God comes after you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what salvation history, that's what the Old Testament, that's what the New Testament, all of all of the, the, the history of grace is, is God coming after you. Continually. Continually. And that's what happens in mass every right. single day. Um, so that's how he, that's one of the reasons that he establishes his temple among men. Yes. Is so that like in the, in Psalm 100, we can have a visible place to go up and see the one who is invisible now yes. to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's so important that God gives a physical structure as a sign of his sure. presence. Right. Because God doesn't need physicality. He works with it because we need it, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. But I love that he creates buildings, things yeah. that are, are impenetrable, things that are solid and sturdy, mm-hmm. um, and and places that we can we can we can build up. We need we like that sense of up, and I think it's because we have this sense of longing, we have this sense of transcendence, right. and we got to have something to do with it, yeah. right? And we also we need to be able to encounter God in a space like that because of just who we are, and God sees that and he honors it. Well, even in like this is a whole another whole like six shows church architecture oh yes even the way that our churches are supposed to be built yeah is supposed to draw you up yeah right, right? because it's not be, the it's where the heaven meets earth right yeah. right yeah and and that's exactly why that's the place of sacrifice that's the place where we remember where we revisit the sacrifice of christ on the cross um and we we reenact it every day it, it right. becomes real for us and every we enter day. into that moment right yes. rather than just simply like a, a reenactment of a play right uh, or rescue 911 right oh, sure uh, gosh the 80s the camp it. comes up again Loved um, it. no we actually are entering into that moment where yeah. the lord is doing those things right, right? Mm-hmm. and that's that's the beauty of the temple as a place where heaven and earth meet and we enter mystically into heaven in those moments of litur- the liturgy exactly yeah that's because you know if, if Jesus himself is this hypostatic union, which is just a union of, of divine nature and human nature, then he is that meeting point of heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, we have this temple historically up until Jesus, we have a temple that's, this is where God dwells, right? But then the veil tears and that's a signal to us 
that okay something has changed yeah that's a signal to us temple ownership has been transferred mm -hmm. yes <laughs> from the place to the person there it is okay mm -hmm. that's as clear a language as i could have ever hope to put it <laughs> but yeah but i mean at that point that is like the world's most ding 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 neon sign that like something has happened jesus is the temple <laughs> and because he he breaks the bonds of death after three days after his death it's a signal that that temple is eternal that that some that 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 temple will always be replicated for us every time we go to meet christ in his eucharistic body um so i feel like i've like like worked myself into a frenzy, but I hope you see that this is it. Every, like if you see the tendons, if you see the way that everything has to to do with each other, mm -hmm. um, and and like with the the coming of age uh, of Jesus, you know, he asks his anxious parents, like, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? It was a statement about his identity. It was a statement about his ministry. And at the time, you know, we can see how confusing that would be for Mary and Joseph, but because Christ is who he says he is. It, everything makes sense. Everything comes to fruition. It just takes time, mm -hmm. um, thousands of years actually. So that that Shekinah glory, um, that the the cloud of fire that had departed the temple the temple centuries before, had returned, but it returned in the person of Christ. He now is that Shekinah. He's the presence of God on earth. Mm -hmm. And that persists in His church today. And it persists, which in is his why church. He established a church. So that until he comes back, we can have a way to enter into yeah. uh, a real relationship with God who desires it right. with us, you know? Yeah, and we can see how, like, you know, from the beginning of the Old Testament to, you know, Christ and eventually through Revelation that it all, it's becoming more and more intimate, right? Mm. Because, you know, Moses had separation from the burning bush. Abraham had a little more intimacy because they appeared as angels, mm -hmm. right? And then slowly the, you know, the temple, the, the in the tent of dwelling, God dwells among them, but they still can't go in. And then the high priest can go in. Mm -hmm. And then slowly we're getting more and more intimate until the temple is a person has yeah, right. flesh. Like the only reason that would happen is because a relationship matters. That's right. You can't have communion with an idea. You can't have communion with a concept. You have to have flesh and be a person. And that's what Jesus wants for us. And that's why the temple then communicates himself to us and we become temples of his Holy spirit. Yes. And that I think is something that we forget, right? This is when we empty people of their meaning in our world today. We mm -hmm. forget that they, like St. Paul says, do you not know yeah. that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? And if so, then you have to throw off all of that stuff that is not of God because we truly become the dwelling place because Paul knew, St. Paul knew that we were able to then receive the Eucharist. We were able to receive Jesus Christ, his body, his blood, his soul and divinity, and we become tabernacles for him. Yeah. We become the meeting tent. And then he wishes to dwell within us. And that's where the law is written on our hearts. So then we can go out into the world and say, I have been redeemed and I am being redeemed. And everything is groaning until that time when Christ comes back. He comes to, to gather us up to himself. So hmm, we could just keep on going. I know, we could. But you, you know, Jeff, uh, up there on the Jeff Star One, I, I guess we, we've gone far afield. And so we've got a lot of a lot of uh, these things to get through. You know what those things are? It's the part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. I saw Jim smiling at that. He's like, I wonder how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Roger. So 
Yeah. Hmm? It's magic. It is. It's a magic. It's a, It's the fairy dust that they sprinkle on the Pizza Hut pizza in <laughs> oh, the 80s. No. And behind just, the CU veil today. <laughs> yes, yeah. he is behind the CU veil today. That's right. Do you know... It's all uh, MSG. Do you know that... that so, remember how we veil the images during Lent, mm-hmm. right? We veil our, the cross mm-hmm. and everything? Mm-hmm. In the German church in the Middle Ages, they would veil the entire sanctuary, mm-hmm. and they called it the hunger cloth. Oh, I like yeah, that. it's this idea of of, uh, of we cover everything until uh, the solemn liturgies of um, of Good Friday, where the veil is rent in twain, mm. and then they remove the hunger cloth, and all of a sudden you enter in and you're ready for the Easter wow. mysteries. Gosh, Isn't that, that cool? That's yeah. Exciting. Oh, you Germans, you with your good liturgy. Um, <laughs> all right. So anyway, pick of the week, Kathleen. Oh, I'll go first. <laughs> Hello. Every single. I had to go to a little thing no. I like to call jury duty. <laughs> so I thought that I would pick one of my millions of books, and um, and I've been been avoiding this one because mm. I've had too many, and I've seen it a billion times. But I went to the to the uh, Basilica in D.C. picked it up. Oh, yeah. I needed it. So it's it's called the Shepherd Who Didn't Run. Mm. It's about uh, Father Stanley uh, Rother, I think, mm-hmm. or Rother. Um, he he was a priest from Oklahoma who went down to uh, Guatemala. Yeah. And did um, and did mission like he became a mission priest, um, and he spent something like um, like twenty or thirty years there, mm-hmm. and um, spoiler alert, he dies, um, and he's killed in Guatemala, and um, and it's just a beautiful story of how a shepherd smelled like his sheep mm-hmm. and didn't he, run he and didn't run even when like there was political unrest and they were he knew they were coming for him in fact he one time left the country and then made his way back he mm-hmm. said this is where my people are and people were like you're gonna die and he's like well then i'll die with my people mm-hmm. um so beautiful story i haven't finished it yet because i was only at jury duty for two days <laughs> but um it's really cool so very good nice nice uh Jim, how about you? Because Olivia is going to get, you know. I get PTSD when I have to follow. Well, that's right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take one for the team. Um, my pick of the week is Louisiana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, New Orleans was interesting. The food is spectacular. The yeah. priests are pious. And the people are as nice as can be. It's, it's I love it here. He's only seen a few priests. So, I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, by a few, I mean one, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got a good homily this morning. Okay. Well, you said a beautiful long, mass. As long as you got a passable homily, that's 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 good. And, and of course, um, the Eucharist was was validly confected so yeah we're happy to have you jim yeah. happy to be here so. yeah happy to be part of the louisiana that you pick yeah, yeah. uh olivia okay that let you down easy right yeah no so. and that was so sweet your family's so precious oh well, thank you um so my pick of the week is this little tome um <laughs> called flower water salt and yeast by ken forkish mm. um and this is a great primer on, uh, sometimes people ask me, and I'm like, not the person to ask, but like how to start making bread and mm. like specifically like naturally leavened bread. Um, and this is a great resource because this guy knows his stuff. He's also got another book called Mastering Pizza. Um, this one yes, is, please. this one's Fundamentals Sorry. of Artisan Bread and Pizza. <laughs> Um, but he, he really starts as if like, he's talking to someone who just doesn't know anything about what naturally leavened anything is. And he Mm -hmm. walks you through how to start. Um, and I have found this really accessible. Um, he's very clear and he lets you know why he's doing what uh, I like to know why. So he lets you know why he's doing certain things. And I, like, that's so helpful to understand what you're doing. Cause then Um, you can replicate it later without, if you have the understanding then. Well, cause I mean, doing things with, for no reason, you doesn't stick in your mind. 
but if you right. if you have a reason for it, then you can reason through even I if gotta you forget do this the now. end. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really recommend this book if you're looking to try just any kind of bread making, but specifically um, like sourdoughs and and Levain and that kind of stuff. So. Mm flour, water, salt, and yeast. Mm. Jeff, how about you up there in the satellite? Huh? It has been a tough week uh, choosing for a, a pick. I, in fact, I even thought about the uh, Chuck Schumer designer eyewear, um, possibly considered hairstyles by Bernie, but no, I'm really going <laughs> yeah, for yeah, yeah. the Anchor Multiport USB Charger. All right. Nice. This is a cool device. An Anchor. It, it's anchor. A-N-K-E-R. They make so good stuff. They make great stuff. And uh, this is a, a six-port USB charger, two Point four amps per port. Oh, nice! Up to six, oh. sixty watts. So you it's great nice for charging. Charge. Yes, for uh, for phones, for tablets, for pads, uh, even Alexa. You know. Yeah, and in, and, so. I, and people don't know this about Jeff, but he actually has a, a USB port. Oh. So yeah, two point four amps, and you get a fresh charge every morning from, there you from go. Jeff. Woo-hoo. That's right, yeah. exactly. Better That's than right. orange juice. Uh, <laughs> it is a superb product, only twenty five bucks. You can find it like at That's, Amazon and other places. We, we'll have a link in the show notes. And Father, what is yours? My pick of the week is uh, a film that I got the chance to see this yes. past week, and I was invited to go with uh, with a family, and it was is unplanned. Mm-hmm. It's currently, I believe, as of this uh, as of this writing, it's uh, it's the number four movie right. in these United States. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to tell you that, Mm -hmm. but it's number four in the box office. If that doesn't tell you what our culture is looking for, our culture is looking for the truth and our culture is looking for life. There, I said it. Um, And and I I tell you, I went in with trepidation because Mm -hmm. I I don't like the I don't like the idea of that which is graphic. Mm -hmm. And yet um, it was presented so well. Mm -hmm. It didn't pull any punches. And uh, and yet it, it tells the truth. Yeah. Um, there you can't sugarcoat the abortion industry, mm-hmm. and uh, this tells the true story of Abby Johnson, who worked for Planned Parenthood, and how she underwent a great conversion while she was working yeah. there. Really well done. Uh, the cheese factor was low to yeah, very low, right? Okay. And that in of itself uh, made right? me go, man, because I, I, you know you know me mm-hmm. with with uh, Christian movies mm-hmm. and cheese, right? Mm-hmm. No, this was very well done. So unplanned. Uh, is a movie I would Warning, recommend. the rated R rating is deserved. Yeah, because it, it is because graphic. It is intense, yeah, yeah, for sure. But for sure. so good. That's right. Uh, Jeff, uh, we are always grateful for our gyms, our viewers, <laughs> our benefactors, our listeners, aren't we? We are indeed, Father. And this week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people just like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. An important way to support us is to like us, heart us, star us, and share us on your social media platform of choice. If you really like our podcast, pop by iTunes and leave us a review and click them stars, youngins. <laughs> That's right. Our panelists have been Kathleen Lee, the benefactress. We've also have Olivia Galino. Our technical director is Jeff Blackwell. You can see him. Our research assistant, the leader of the crew in the lab, is Jim Hayes. Our video and graphics director, I forgot to tell you, is David Bazelli. Yes. And you know me. I'm Father Chris. You can follow me on Instagram at Digital Catholic. We hope. We hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We're the Catholic Underground. We're Faith Gone Digital, and we'll see you next time.
from the Catholic Underground.